Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to Volume 2 of Comedy Album Book Club. Thank you very much for coming. This month's album is The Button-Down Mind of Bob Newhart. This was recorded at the Tidelands Club in Houston, Texas in 1960. Bob Newhart was 30 years old at the time, uh, and he's known for his deadpan delivery and satirical subversive material. And this was his first album. It went to number one on the Billboard Pop Album chart. And it won Album of the Year at the Grammys. Both those things are firsts for a comedy album. And uh, according to Bob, it is the 20th best-selling album of all time, as far as the Billboard charts go. That's pretty crazy. Uh, it is uh, six tracks, five of which are part of a one-side conversation that was a trademark of Bob's, uh, often imitated. And he probably invented it, and he definitely perfected it. Uh, five of the tracks are, I said five of the tracks are part of a one-sided conversation, four of which are about advertising. Uh, it's something he liked to lampoon and uh, satire a lot. Um, the tracks are called Abe Lincoln versus Madison Avenue, The Cruise of the USS Codfish, Merchandising the Wright Brothers, The Khrushchev Landing Rehearsal, Driving Instructor, and Nobody Will Ever Play Baseball. Bob Newhart was uh, an accountant and to help while away the hours, I guess, he was pretty bored. He decided to get into comedy. And in 1959, he was an accountant who no one knew who he was. And a year later, everything changed. In the 70s, he did the Bob Newhart show and the 80s Newhart. And these days, he's a regular uh, recurring guest on the Big Bang Theory at 88 years old. He's a uh, pretty awesome guy. Had a huge... Uh, career, very far-reaching, and his influence was as well. We'll talk more about that. Uh, for now, we're going to take a listen. Please enjoy the button-down mind of Bob Newhart. Right now, ladies and gentlemen, Bob Newhart. Thank you. Thank you very much. Forget it. <laughs> right. Uh, Mr. Doubleday, listen, though. You come up with anything, two, three couples, you'll be sure and let us know, huh? <laughs> All right, Mr. Doubleday, I'll be talking. Right. Okay, uh, so that was the button-down mind of Bob Newhart, ladies and gentlemen. 1960. <laughs> We'll pretend that Bob can somewhere hear your applause. Uh, okay, so uh, I'm going to bring up my guest for this evening. Uh, my first guest has his own comedy album called Helicopter Rich. He is a local comedian, and you can buy this album on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. His name is Craig Fay. Please welcome Craig Fay. Right, welcome. Thank you very much. 
I'm going to bring up my next guest. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. All right. My next guest is a comedian here in town. She's the executive producer of the She Dot Festival, which showcases funny women through stand-up, sketch, improv, storytelling, workshops, and expert panels. Please welcome Martha O'Neill. Martha. And my uh, third guest, he's an actor, comedian, and writer. Uh, he has many writing credits, including more than 30 episodes of This Hour Has 22 Minutes. And he is a huge Bob Newhart fan. Please give a warm welcome to Jeremy Woodcock. All right, so we just heard the button-down mind of Bob Newhart. Uh, have you all heard this before? I assume no. You haven't heard it, Mark? No, first okay. for me. First cool. for me. Cool. Like okay. once before for me. Once before. So you picked this, Craig. Yeah. So what made you pick it? So, <laughs> okay. So I feel like I'm a bit of a fraud. Because oh, no. <laughs> uh, you, because uh, you, I, I think when you're putting together this show, you sort of ask like, what, what were some really early influential albums? And I had literally just listened to this album, and I was like, this is a good one, <laughs> and I put it forward. And then you said, uh, oh, and you're going to be on the same show as Jeremy. And if you look at Jeremy's Twitter uh, photo. It is him with Bob Newhart. So. <laughs> I was like, I may be a little, a uh, little out, a uh, little outgunned here, but that's fine. Well, uh, at the very least, you got Jeremy Woodcock on the show. So that's right. So <laughs> I'll defer to him. But no, it's and and beyond that, like it is, it is uh, within the comedy community. It's sort of held up as this like very early, very influential album. And as you said off the top, like won a Grammy, like, you know, he won Best New Artist. Like it was number one on the Billboard charts, which is insane for any comedy album <laughs> yeah. these days, right? So uh yeah, I guess that those are the reasons I picked that. Cool. Fair enough. And uh so we'll just skip over to Jeremy. Mm. Uh he hasn't said anything yet. Just that little impressed noise. Mm. Uh <laughs> thank you for doing it again. You can tell I liked it. Uh so yeah, what explain? Maybe you could tell us a little bit about your love for Bob Newhart and where the, how this photo came up, uh, uh, about with you. And sure. Him. Well, that photo was taken at uh, after a. Con it wasn't he and I hanging out. Um, <laughs> I'd seen him at Roy Thompson Hall about five years ago, and uh, he was performing. He was performing. I uh, know we were both watching Aerosmith. And, uh, <laughs> but yeah, he performed, and then I kind of loitered around. The front, and usually, like, after a concert or a show, like, things go on forever, but it was, like, one minute after everybody, I was the youngest person there, and they were kind of, like, everybody head home. Wow. So I, and I walked, I was just walking sort of um, behind Roy Thompson Hall rather than going along King or Queen or whatever it is, and uh, and he was just getting into his a car, like, a little car uh, driven by someone, and somebody said, Bob, and he said, Oh, and he just started to give a little one second. It was all so casual and so like old school. The whole thing was old school. I was telling Craig, uh, a jazz band was his opener. What? Uh, a jazz band played for 30 minutes and then brought out a vocalist for the last song as if a vocalist was like the wave the of the future. Of yeah. Um, and then. Uh, you ain't say nothing yet. No. And then I just said, uh, can I get a picture with you? And, and I told him I was a comedian. He said, good luck, which I've, in retrospect, like turned into a compliment, but it's really just a pure, <laughs> nice thing to say. But I'm like, it was a vote of confidence, but it was just good luck. Fantastic. He had no idea. Yeah. That's so cool. So were you a big fan before uh, you saw him that night? I had never heard of him. No, I, uh, <laughs> I actually got into him in a weird, like, way you might get into, like, a band. I got there at the library, at the Whitby Public Library, there was a uh, greatest 
hits like a best of Bob Newhart, which had a driving instructor and the Abraham Lincoln mm-hmm. and then a bunch of other things like a bus driver, which was the driving instructor, but just as funny. And um, yeah, so and then I went back and found this album eventually okay. after like checking out his greatest hits. Cool. Yeah. And Martha, yeah, you haven't heard this album before. No, so what no. Are your, uh, well, I grew, I grew up watching Bob Newhart. I mean, sure. I was really little, of course. I was like an infant. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't even know what year it came out, but it was on. Like you got four, we got four channels growing up, and Bob Newhart, and um, something about him. He was always kind of. He made me laugh, and and I was talking to something before the show downstairs. They said doesn't hold up. The show doesn't hold up. I don't know if that's true or not. And oh. now I'm going to go home and I'm going to going to watch him again because he was like the gentle uncle who just made you laugh. And and I didn't watch so much of the Hotel Newhart show. Um, right. Yeah. I don't know why. It that's what. The that's the. That's how I was introduced to him through that. Show. Yeah. Yeah. Have, have either you guys seen the old Bob Newhart show recently to comment if it held up? You just heard of Bob Newhart a month ago, Craig. Yeah, no. <laughs> I have not actually seen his sitcoms. Okay. No, yeah. I was Jeremy? really into the Mary. Sorry, I didn't drop. No, I was no. really into the Mary Tyler Moore show and and Rhoda, and, and he was of that mm-hmm. ilk. Yeah, do you know what I mean to me. So um, I was a big fan of all that kind of uh, television programming. So I'm I'm disappointed, but I am going to go back and, and check it out. Yeah, I can definitely say the one, the second one, the Inn, like the Vermont, the hotel, the mm-hmm. Inn, uh, really does hold up. Um, does it? I assume the first one does, just because it's him. But yeah, I, I, yeah, it doesn't replay as much, maybe because they figure it's so. It's like very, very early 70s. Yeah. Well, so much has changed. I mean, almost you could argue that nothing holds up if you give enough time to go by because the attention spans change and the pacing of things change. Yeah. I mean, and with him, pacing is everything, right? Oh, that's, yeah. That's absolutely. his thing is is the slow, stumbling, easy pace. But I don't know about mm-hmm. you guys, but that just whipped by. Like that was just yeah. something very soothing about him. It's like he's just speaking to you. He's like a, a pal or something. Yeah. It's interesting that he plays all these different characters, but they're essentially all the same person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but what really struck me listening to it tonight, sort of in the dark, uh, was um, how well it's written for the ear. And mm-hmm. uh, yes. that none of this stuff could be turned into a visual medium and work. You know, a lot of the jokes come from him revealing something to you that if you were witnessing it, you would already know. Right. Yeah. And that is just a genius way to to think about how joke structure works. Yeah. Like it's just incredible when when he's talking to the in the in the driver um, the driver instructor where she's saying the red light. He said, "Oh, the red light, the red light." And oh yes, officer, she's just explaining yeah. that to me. And that's our reveal that the officer's there. Like, you well, know, the funny it, bits in that one particularly were the surprises, like the, mm-hmm. the safety island. You know, yeah, he was on this, those yeah. little things. And if we if they try to do it as a, as a televised sketch. As you say, it would have been all given away. And yeah, like, yeah, yeah, and and he he's so good at holding on to those sort of secrets and and planting those jokes when you need them, and they hit with such force because you realize this has been happening the whole time, and it's just such a different style of comedy than we're used to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think what struck me uh, most was like when he was doing the jokes; it was very well well paced. Actually, I remember the first time listening to it. Uh, thinking that this was really slow pace and there weren't a lot of like laughs per minute. Uh, re-listening to it now, there actually was, but what mm-hmm. seemed to slow it down was the fact, uh, and this is very strange to anyone who's seen stand-up comedy recently, is the setups are not part of the joke. They're like so they're so external to it, and the only time he got a little close where you like sort of saw, oh, this is going to be stand up in like fifty years, was that uh, 
was the uh, the driving instructor joke, and he goes, "There's a group of people who go out every day, yeah, yeah. Uh, right. and they it's so dangerous, and they never know who they're going to come home, and those people are driving instructors, yeah. and that's that's the closest he got to the setup. But then he to the setup actually being the joke, and then he did a setup. He's like, okay, and pretend this is a car, <laughs> and yeah, pretend yeah. this is I'm driving, and there's a woman next to me, and and, and what struck me about that was, uh, you know, again. With fifty years of seeing stand or of stand up that's come after it, you go. You could have just sat down and said, "Okay, Miss, uh, I forget the name that uses, but like, uh, hello, Miss Smith or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm your driving instructor today, and that would have been enough information sure. for us." But he did the pretend you're in a car, and this is the windshield. But it was 1960. It was 1960 that this was a whole new form of theater. Really, yeah, yeah. and that, that's the other thing you got to take into account, right? Is he that was, was also, the first uh, time anyone had ever done it, so you had to explain it. He was it. also not a seasoned comedian. I mean, yeah. he'd been doing it, I think, sort of as a hobby for about two, three years at this point. I believe the legend is that that was his first performance. That can't be true. First live. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no, that was just a spooky. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm not I the expert, by the way. Yeah. yeah. Or it was like it was one of his first four or something like that. Well, if you listen to the audience, they weren't like laughing that hard for the most of it. Like usually, com- modern comedy albums, they make sure it's a hot crowd, and there were chuckles and a few coughs here and there, and people <laughs> clinking their glasses. It was actually a very um, interesting choice to put that out as an album. But I guess again, yeah. this is a whole new medium, and and. Uh, yeah. It seemed like dinner theater. I, I feel like uh, I could hear waiters or something yeah. in the background yeah. talking. Yeah. Very interesting. But uh, but I, I thought there the crowd was pretty hot at the very beginning, and I found it distracting at first because I thought, oh, man, if these people laugh at everything, it's nothing's going to land well. You know, it's like, you know, uh, if you're sitting with someone who laughs at every joke and something, almost none of the jokes are funny to you because it's over the top. Mm-hmm. But well, and uh, some of what's funny is cha- like him mentioning mm-hmm. like Ulysses S. Grant being an alcoholic. Oh, yeah. and people are like, that's the that's what everybody's yeah. going to remember about oh, man. Lincoln. Yeah. Um, well, and that crew, the Khrushchev joke is the best example oh, of that on yeah. this album. We're like, I guess yeah. this was a thing that happened. <laughs> that's yeah. yeah, that's the they one to me that that, anymore, that doesn't but. really hold up. That's very much a moment of time. Well, when Khrushchev came to the US, it was 1 year before this came right. out. So, very timely then. Yeah. It's also, like if we did Young Sheldon. Well, I would also, if you think about it, he was talking about live television news, which was quite a new concept in 1960. Mm. So a lot of it, like, if you think about it, I, I have a news background. And so uh, the timing that this took place, so, I mean, I can imagine, so I was enjoying it just based on knowing when the album was recorded and when all this happened in, mm-hmm. in history, and also knowing how difficult, like, that the audience got on board with this run-through of this Russian leader who was a feared man uh, stumbling and hitting and, and, and the woman, yeah, the right. wife. I, I thought it, I liked that one actually, I think, the best. And that's something people mm-hmm. never would have been exposed to. Like, everything was mm-hmm. so packaged for what they get to see and to hear. Like, the guy in the control room, before they were doing all these behind-the-scenes shows and everything, I feel like that would be, like, a little thrill to be, like, oh, my God, this is the guy. This is what we're not hearing while it all goes on. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that, That I think, the most. Yeah. Yeah. And he had, uh, that, that, that was kind of, the I would say, the theme of the whole album, almost, uh, with maybe the exception of the driving instructor is like this is what happens behind the scenes right this is what mm-hmm. you, this is what the PR guy would say to Abraham Lincoln so this is the call that you know what is it about him and marketers though I mean there must have been was it three or four of them about marketing and PR yeah for an accountant yeah. it's not like he came from a PR background no interesting well, yeah I mean he did live in Chicago right 
Is that big marketing uh, town? Yeah. <laughs> I. Uh, <laughs> yeah. This is the part where I don't say that I've never it's seen the, uh, Mad Men, and I ask if this is Mad Men times and Mad Men location. Um, well, we're getting into that for yeah. sure. The heyday of advertising. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think it was just probably. Yeah, sort of a new medium that was something he saw the opportunity to poke fun at. Yeah. I don't know. It was interesting. And, and it could be even like a pure, like, because it's not like, here's what works for stand-up, like not knowing what a stand-up album is or anything. Like, mm-hmm. maybe he was just so into that for like his first couple of years of stand-up that like, again, it's an early, if he'd been doing it for a couple of years or a couple of performances, it's like six-eighths of his, uh, there's a simpler way to say that, but um, <laughs> like a, a large chunk of his like, just set <laughs> is about right advertising. Like he, hasn't, he hasn't expanded it yet, and he's like, yeah. everything I'm writing is about this thing. I'm just going to If you were trying to sell X, Y, Z, how would you sell it? And you could see it as like a novice comedian. Like I'm seeing, yeah. he's seeing everything. Like it could be seen yeah. as a weakness if it wasn't so good, but he's like, right. everything is like, what if an advertiser, like what if Jack yeah. Nicholson... But like seeing everything yeah, yeah. through that, but it worked. Yeah. And it's yeah. so hard you had now one to bit. say something like, it might sound a little something like this. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. I mean, he invented that phrase. And, yeah. you know, we were talking about this a little bit last month is sometimes it's hard to take that filter off of us of the things that we've seen since right. and not make, not feel that it's cliche, not feel that it's hack because it, we're so it jaded. New. We are. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, I enjoyed the submarine one too because he was actually addressing a group of men. Again, it's, it was a different approach to the the marketing thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. I enjoyed that and the idea of just hiding a human body, a human on the on <laughs> a submarine. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. The, it was a lot of fun. The line I loved from that, I thought it was just such a brilliant piece. Where I didn't have to read it to be uh, was the uh, looking back on oh, the yeah. mutiny. <laughs> it's just such a, like it tells you everything that you need to know. And so the dry. the other thing about that is it doesn't hit until the very last word, which is I love in <laughs> yeah. comedy, where you go looking back on the literally anything else could come, like looking back on the torpedoing of the thing or the anything, <laughs> yeah. the yeah. mutiny, and it just like, <laughs> it, it, like that's that whole bit in that one sentence. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. He's so defeated, like to to not even to wait this long in the speech to even bring it up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's it. <laughs> I you think it was it preceded by uh, return my door. I think was it was and give a hand after? for the cooks. Yeah, <laughs> that was big. Do you know how hard it is to cook on a submarine for two years, <laughs> yeah. never going shore. And it's so um, folksily done about the mutiny. Like the mutiny probably happened in like month two, and he's probably yelled about it once a month. And now it's like just to wrap uh, up on the mutiny. Yeah, I hate to bring You've this up my again, thoughts. You know? uh, yeah, the picture the... he paints such an amazing picture with his, and I, I assume part of it's his delivery, but he, his use of words too. Oh, absolutely. Oh, it's it's really quite stunning. Yeah, it's 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 very well written. Is, yeah, uh, yeah, and and as you pointed out, it's it's written for the ear, like you don't have act yeah. outs and stuff. Like well, and it's amazing to me too, like, like that whole bit about how he kept getting the men to, to trying to get them to clap for the uh, for the cooks, and the mm-hmm. joke obviously is that the cooks are horrible, and maybe some of them had food poisoning or something. But uh, we d- never have the benefit of hearing the other uh, side of these conversations, and we're just okay with it. On the phone, it makes a lot more sense. You could do that on a television show where you don't hear the phone, but he's literally standing in front of a group of men. There's no reason for us not to hear the reactions of the men, mm-hmm. but we don't, and he is able to tell us what they are without saying what they said. And 
writing that kind of thing where we have to fill in the blanks with our own brain and filling him in the way he wants us to is yeah. Incredible. I think you know when you talk about talking on the phone thing, he I think he carried that often into his television career too. I mean, I, I visual memory of him um, in the hotel version. Uh, at the mm. at the you know the desk the mm-hmm. front desk yeah. and often on the phone talking yeah. to potential customers and things like that and uh, that was a sort of a trope I don't know if that's the right word yeah. but uh, a thing he did throughout his comedy career because he's just so good at it I think and yeah painting the picture absolutely yeah yeah and definitely you're right like leaving the audience to fill in the blanks was uh, it, it, it's brilliant like that's what you want in comedy you want them you want to lead people right to the edge mm-hmm. and then they push themselves over yeah right? like they've they've built this image in their head of what's going on and yeah, to see, to see it done so masterfully so early on is, and he trusted, he trusted the intelligence of his audience too, which is something that you have to learn in comedy. And I think a lot of people do early on, but he really believed they were up to speed on everything about Abraham Lincoln, everything about Khrushchev. Like there was no question. (laughs) And, uh, he, he he just believed they were sophisticated. You know what I mean? Like he did. Absolutely. Like like these were like nuanced jokes about Abraham Lincoln. I, I feel know. like we need to uh, point out that even in 1960, Abraham Lincoln was still history. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. People, yeah. Was years old. Yeah. Yeah. people were like, you remember our last president right before we had Eisenhower? Uh, yeah. I didn't, I don't know anything about the, uh, him writing a speech on envelopes. Yeah, like, I don't know. I didn't get that joke either. But I, I wonder, like, I think in the States, there's, they, this is like kindergarten. They yeah. learn about Abraham Lincoln and it's a much bigger deal to them than it is to us. And when I heard that, I looked up like, pictures and he did have a shawl like this distinguished yeah and I because I couldn't tell what angle he was going for of like that Abraham Lincoln was changing little things that ended up being history but it was like he's like oh you wore a cardigan that's no good but he would did have a shawl on uh, yeah like don't shave it no don't shave it it's your look yeah yeah I thought the joke was the shawl didn't stick around yeah realizing it did yeah. And four score and seven. He's what eighty seven? No, that's that's what we call a grabber. That's what we call a grabber. That was a great yeah, line. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the the uh, the other part I also liked about that Abraham Lincoln bit was explaining the uh, Grant joke to Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. trust me, it'll be funny. Just say it. It'll yes. be funny. Just yeah. say. It. And that's such a actually uh, that's such a bold thing to say in a stand up act where you're you're actually. Pitching a joke within the act that people are then laughing at, <laughs> saying that somebody doesn't get it, and then assuring that person <laughs> that what yeah. the audience just laughed at is funny. Like the balls. There's a lot of levels to that. <laughs> and there's to a t- say that something you just said is funny is. Uh, and there's a tiny quick beat in there where I've, right in between where I feel like. Abraham Lincoln thinks like, oh, he is winning because of the elk. And he's like, no, 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 no. Like, he's, he's like, <laughs> yeah. just tell them this. And he's yes. like, this. And he's like, no, just tell them this. And, he, and then he's sort of listening and he's like, no, no, no. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's just so like, many unsaid no things. To- so many things we don't get to hear Abraham Lincoln said, say, but him saying dumb Even things today. isn't the funny part. It's the reaction to them. No, and the reaction kind of, tells yeah, us what he's saying. Abraham Lincoln being dumb because he was, you know, he's so revered as, as one of our yeah. great intellects. No, no, you idiot. Like this, no. Yeah. And remember, what, what was the, uh, the, the um, you can't fool all the people all the time. Because well, you keep saying it wrong. <laughs> yeah. right? It made me laugh so hard. Last night yeah. you said fool all the people all yeah. the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I think the whole conceit of this was that he wasn't necessarily making fun of Abraham Lincoln, but he said if he didn't exist, they'd have to create him. And so it would just be some, you mm-hmm. know, Patsy who just looks good on television or whatever and uh, says the things they write for him. Which I think w- 
uh, based on his lengthy setup. I think that was a new concept back then. Like they were like, you're right. voting for the man and not yeah, the policy. Yeah, and you're like, sure. of course you're yeah. voting for the man. <laughs> yeah. We're yeah, like right. 2017. Yeah, there right. is no, yeah. There's no policy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was All new. That was new. That's when that started. How nice oh, no. for you. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right, folks, we're going to take a short break. Uh, you can grab yourself a beer, uh, go to the washroom. We've got some pencils and papers if you'd like to uh, write some questions for any of the panelists. Ooh. And then we're going to come back here and uh, chat a little bit more. Thanks a lot. Comedy Album Book Club is recorded live on the first Thursday of every month at the Social Capital Theatre in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Join us, won't you? We listen to the album at 9.30 p.m., and then we record the panel discussion for the podcast. Tickets are pay what you can, with some proceeds going to Covenant House, Canada's largest agency for at-risk, homeless, and trafficked youth. For more details, please visit us at ComedyAlbumBookClub.com. If there were to be a second half of this show, I think it might go a little something like this. <laughs> that was a great lead into the second half of the show. Uh, we only take a break because we're uh, we love applause. Thank you for the two people who applauded for this, <laughs> sitting down again and the woos. We also appreciate woos. Uh, okay, cool. So we got a few questions uh, from the audience. Uh, let's see. Um, this one's from Matt. Bob uses very deliberate pacing in his delivery. How has that impacted comedians who followed him? And how do you feel his successors have evolved from his example? Interesting. Um, I have two prongs, in, if, if I may. Awesome. Uh, there's a few comics. Uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Todd Graham's work. Um, he's a Toronto comic. So, so funny. Check him out, right? Uh, but he, I've always thought of him as a new Hartian type yes. comic. Yeah. He's more absurd than Bob in many ways in his observations, but his demeanor, his manner, his delivery. Um, and so there are, I think, disciples of that school. But I also would argue that a lot of comics, and myself included, because I, I don't know why I do this, but almost go high energy. Um, mm -hmm. And I don't know if that's a, that's a fear thing. It's partly a fear thing, I think, of uh, if I don't give you time to hate me, then I'll keep going. But um, <laughs> like, it seems like to me it's almost fearless to pace like that. And yeah. uh, you're slower paced than me, Craig. Uh, Craig and I have worked together a few times, so I, I'd, say that, I'd argue that you're more of that, that pace, that thoughtful pace. Yeah, I, th I think there's something to be said about um, being comfortable with the silences, which I, I, mm. I think definitely for him doing a one-way conversation on a phone, you <laughs> have to necessary. be very comfortable with the silences. And uh, that's that's a thing that a lot of comics aren't comfortable with. If there's any sort of quiet, you need to feel like you need to fill that dead air with um, something. <laughs> and uh, uh, he's, he's, he's clearly someone who's very comfortable with that. And I think it's very effective because you let those, those points hang. So I think, um, uh, is it confidence or is it just, um, uh, I guess it must be, is by born in confidence that you just believe that you're compelling enough mm. to, to have that pacing. And I think I, having written, like he knows he's written, he knows exactly what he's going to say. So he knows, I feel like he knows it's going to work. Like mentioning Todd Graham, it's like, he's written this joke. He, like rather than get it over in two seconds, he's he knows how good it is. So he's just going to take two minutes to tell it because why not be funny for two yeah. minutes instead? So all the stammering and all the like realizing like there's four different funny parts in this one liner. So just kind of uh, yeah, let them have yeah. their moment in the sun. Type yeah. Of yeah. Thing. No, I I think his um, 
it, it, that's what it, that's what astonishes me most about Bob Newhart. I think that's what he's. Huh. I think people associate that stammering, slow pace, but I don't realize. I don't people realize how um, how brave, I guess, in a way that is. Well, it's interesting you say that because uh, his background is also he was an accountant, mm-hmm. so a pretty slow paced, quiet, solitary job. Your background is in news. news yeah. uh, my background is in radio and advertising and. In those mediums, you can't have a second of dead air. No, oh, I worked um, in radio for a couple of years on right. As so well. on the radio, yeah. you know, you know, yeah. if you want to screw up a bunch of DJs at your house for a party, you just turn the volume down on the music, and they all just stop and <laughs> kind of freak out. Like <laughs> silence is the enemy, right? Mm-hmm. And then with advertising, you've got a thirty-second commercial, and you have to fill every half second with copy because it's to, worth so much money. Yeah, those exactly. T- it, so yeah. so uh, the, you know, my type of humor too, when I'm uh, like doing stand up or sketches, yeah, wall to wall noise and yeah. energy. I'm almost like a game show host as opposed to, to Bob's <laughs> style. So yeah, it, it's, it depends I'd like on to try that. Too. I don't know how many comics, I know we have a few comics out in the audience. Um, I think it'd be a worthwhile uh, practice to try and do the opposite of what you normally do. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. as a, as a challenge. For sure. Sometimes yeah. people are filling space in a different way anyway, without like people who um, might tell a joke and then the laughter starting to, and so they ride the laughter and they just go, but, um, but uh, <laughs> yeah. while people are laughing, why not? But he just sort of waits it out like with the silence and, and builds it into the joke. Yeah. It's a, pr- a pregnant pause. Like yeah. you're, oh, you're almost, yeah. you're almost allowing um, the tension to build rather than diffusing it. Um, like Robin say, Williams would be the opposite. Uh, to- yeah. Uh, yeah. Total yeah. opposite. Yeah. But I would say uh, to answer the question of like sort of, uh, I think there was some like how it's influenced comedians. So um, uh, Pete Holmes' new special, uh, mm. his new album, um, there's one, one bit where he he must have it, it feels like it's like five minutes but it's probably 10 seconds of silence <laughs> where he's just he's he's about to say something and you know he's about to say something and it stretches on and the audience just starts laughing before he said anything and it keeps going and going and going and then when he finally says it there's this huge pop and i think that's uh you could say that's a direct descendant that style that 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 type of joke is a direct descendant of this bob newhart stuff so it's amazing to be able as a performer to plan having people anticipate what you're going to do that seems like an impossible thing to yeah to plan Stephen Wright Stephen Wright's a bit of that school too I mean he's more of a one-liner joke but that pacing that delivery that thoughtfulness uh, and, and he almost seems annoyed by the audience when they laugh during the, the, the uh, <laughs> yeah. during the silences. But and, uh, and and the fact that they are they're more sketches almost than stand up. So mm-hmm. he can like you can count on. Yeah, yeah. I was wonder. I was one thing I want to mention is this stand up. Do we qualify this album as a stand up album? I don't know. Do you? Yeah, yeah. I would say it's it's the one sided conversation, which I think is. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I've got jokes like that in my act. You but know, that always have... exists within you telling a story about something that happened, exactly, right? Like, yeah. he never tells you about anything happening. It's always, you're in that moment, and it's from some person's perspective. And Just, uh, It struck me more different. sketch-ish, like a sketch. It, it had sketch uh, elements, yeah, I think, for sure, but... Yeah. I, no, I would. I would. Put a one-man sketch show might qualify as stand-up. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> can we, can we... Blurred lines. <laughs> I don't anymore. Song. I just want to. I just want. Think we need to address the um, the woman driver comment. Yeah. Oh man, 
yeah. right? I like all the women go, Hur. but you know what? You know, but it also was 57 years ago this album came out, um, yeah. and it just it shows you the things that you could say back then and the things you could never say now. It was fascinating to me. It was fascinating. Yeah, yeah. I can see both the gentlemen just. I don't. Well, no, I I agree with you completely. I and I don't think he. Re- it's like that's the way he came to write. I don't think he realizes. That it doesn't need to be a woman at all. Driving. I know. I actually kept, yeah. when I was listening, I kept thinking it could be a teenage boy, it could be an old person, it could be anybody. But yeah, it had to be the easy. So when I. It dis- gives it a disservice, I think. It does a disservice to the bit that he made it a woman and called out the fact that it yeah, was a woman said, because a then woman. it becomes a sexist bit, whether that's the intention yeah. or not. And it was a funny bit, but. Uh, it's funny how time has has skewed our perceptions of uh, mm-hmm. of what's funny and what's not, and what's yeah. acceptable and what's not. I would say there's nothing wrong with it being a woman driver because it could be, as you said, it could be any driver. But the fact that he called it at the beginning was super weird. Yeah. Uh, and the way he said it. Too, the way right? he said it and was it like, which is a woman driver, and you're like, you mean a driver? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But the audience, Why? the audience was like, ooh, like his audience. Yeah. Right. Ooh, it's yeah. a woman doctor. Oh, I drive that. <laughs> <laughs> Look out for driver. shenanigans. Yeah, yeah. it's like you know how this is going to go because because it's a woman. Yeah, and it's yeah, yeah. It yeah it would have been uh, yeah much much less problematic if he didn't call it out at all. That's funny. No, and I'm yeah. sure at the time it was not not even for 30 years was it problematic? Maybe even 40 years. I don't even know. Yeah. Uh, but certainly uh, today, yeah. Well, women have gotten much better at driving. <laughs> 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 yeah. I got yeah. I got one boo. I was I was worried. That was my wife booing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, we have another question here. Uh, did anyone else have trouble getting around the sound quality? A little bit, but no. I, I I because I kept saying 1960, 1960. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, you know, yeah. Yeah, I didn't find anything was difficult to hear. There was never anything where I felt like I would have rewound it because I missed something, and it's not you know, sound effects or anything where it's clear it's somebody speaking at a live thing. We've got people laughing and stuff. So as long as you understand what's happening, of course we like higher fidelity, but it didn't take away from me. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy that we could actually do a better recording with our t- our phones. This the- podcast is going to be a better recording. Well, with, yeah. And compared to actually albums around that time, I feel like it's, or like a lot of the ones I listened to growing up, like... Uh, before we knew he was bad, Woody Allen, and uh, <laughs> like the Smothers Brothers and things. These are like early 70s, and right. they're not they're not as good sound quality as that. I, yeah. I don't know. I, so I think it was a really small room. I have this, I have this image. It was a smaller room yeah. than this even almost. And he was, I just felt, <laughs> do you know what I mean? No, but I We're felt Roy like it Thompson was. Roy Thompson Hall is, gentlemen. That's where we tape the show. Yeah. But you know, uh, yeah. No, but I felt like it was a really, really intimate crowd, like a really tiny room with a few tables, like a jazz yeah. club. Yeah, it's like dinner theater, I think. Mm-hmm. I would have never guessed Bob Newhart recorded his album in Houston, Texas. Is that yeah, what it was me recorded? Yeah. 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 That wouldn't have been his crowd to me. I wouldn't no. think so. No. Not these days. No. Can you say something, Craig? Pressure. <laughs> oh, I think I was going to say uh, <laughs> on on the sound call, is the, you got to keep in mind, too, that this is one of the first comedy albums ever. You know what I mean? As far as like a pure stand-up comedy, like I think yeah. they had stuff that was like, we're going to sing silly songs, but yeah. that's kind of music, right? Right. So nobody knew how to really do this. I, I was reading up a bit on it before, and there was actually uh, a debate or, or a decision that was made to do it in front of a live audience rather than just going and into a studio oh, wow. and recording it as, uh, you know, almost, almost, a, almost like a radio sketch. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, so right now, like if I was going to go 
do my album and record it in a studio with no audio. Is that your album? Do you mean Helicopter Rich available now, or do you mean your next? My next one. Oh, I'm, I'm going to just go into a studio and record it. Available on iTunes. With, yeah. yeah. Uh, you, but you'd call me... Thank you for the, the plug. <laughs> yeah. uh, but you'd call me mad if you did that, right? Like if I went into a studio and said, nope, no one's going to hear this about the sound tech in the booth. I'm going to put on headphones and talk into a mic. That's insanity. That crazy. But they didn't know. So I think they did a pretty decent job, actually, all things considered. Yeah, they didn't mic the audience, which, of course, we would do now and, and right. things like that. Mm-hmm. But again, yeah. they didn't know. But you, but you hear them. Like, I always find yeah. those ones a bit sterile, like the Adam Sandler or like Norm MacDonald's mm. in-studio album compared to his live album are they're like night and day to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Sandler did stuff like it was his albums aren't really stand-up at all, right? They're, they're, they're like, full-on sketch albums. Yeah. Everything I've heard by him anyway. I don't know if yeah. he did a... A regular stand-up album. Interesting. Uh, we also have the question, who would you say is the modern equivalent or descendant of Bob Newhart? We mentioned Todd Graham, but has, uh, has influence reached someone that, uh, that like you current? think current? Yeah. Other than Pete Holmes. Pete Holmes is a good example. Um, he's got a very different energy to me, Pete Holmes. Though. He's yeah. very... Yeah. He's much more uh, high energy. I yeah, outgoing and goofy. goofy like, yeah. Bob Newhart is not goofy at all. True. Uh, some of the things he says are silly, and he stammers, but... But he's also not like... Um, he's not elite. Like he, he, you know he wanted to call this album the most exciting <laughs> comedian since Attila the Hun? Yeah. Like, that's what he wanted to name the album. That's what he wanted to name the album. And, and then they called it the button-down mind of Bob Newhart, because yeah. look at him. And they then they put like that as like a tagline. Yeah. But it's like things, like in retrospect, it all seems more... Co- and when I'm trying to, I'm like, don't agree with myself, because I'm trying to think of modern comedians. I'm like, oh, what about... Because um, I thought of like Mitch Hedberg. Yeah. Yeah, Mitch Hedberg like, came to mind. He's like too. doing one-liners, and he's right. chill, but he's so like sort of weird and druggy, he but is, it is yeah. more like... What about uh, Norm Macdonald? Well, in terms well, Norm's of like just being just funny. that 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 sarcastic. Uh, not he doesn't have that stuttery, but he's a bit of a slower delivery, yeah, he's got a slower a confident. Um, he, do, he makes you work harder yeah, than a lot that's, of comedians. That's, that's what I mean more than anything. He's not. He there's no one no direct descent. I mean, Todd Graham. Uh, yeah. <laughs> now that you put that in my head, I no. Next like, time yeah, you see Todd, Graham, check her. Yeah. Uh, who else? Um, I don't know. Um, well, Jeremy, you've mentioned to me before. I think that. Uh, Sam Kinison was. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Fun. Kinison and Hicks thieved from uh, Newhart. Did they mercilessly? No, no. Oh, <laughs> I like that material. I was like, what? I... No, so no. different. Yeah, <laughs> they went. They decided not to be as uh, fun. Well, and you can. You can... <laughs> um, uh, to that point, though, uh, of who's a descendant, I, I did make one note about the uh, the baseball bit, mm-hmm. uh, which is a very kind of. Uh, become a more standard joke format where it's the basically the breakdown of something that we all know very well and breaking down the ridiculous everyday logic. And in that sense, I would say somebody like Jerry Seinfeld and a lot right. of the observational comedians yeah. have taken a lot of, right. of, of that kind of thing. Deconstructing yeah. something. Like yeah, that. deconstructing yeah. things. So that was actually kind of a treat to, to re-listen to that bit and go, not only do I see that in kind of the biggest comics, but that's that's sort of a joke type. What's the deal with baseball? Yeah, yeah. I wish that was longer. It's uh, one of the shorter bits on, yeah. that. and there's yeah. so many crazy rules in baseball you can get to. He could have really gone yeah. off. That was a three-minute, twenty-one-second mm-hmm. sketch. The really? longest one 
Was it, it was the Abe Lincoln seven minutes, seven and a half minutes? Still, the yeah. Abe Lincoln, like when you mentioned Jerry Seinfeld, the Abe Lincoln, when we were talking about like the Grant joke and how it like takes this high fluent thing down to a level. Because the yeah. the funniest thing I always remember from Jerry Seinfeld's one stand up album is he's um, talking about how there's a slot. Like, you can barely get water on an airplane. He has some jokes about airline travel. And oh, uh, so he, <laughs> the razor he, blades. He's talking about, yeah, he's like, and there's a slot for the razor blades. And he's like, who's shaving in there? Like, the wolf man. And he's like, he's looking in there and he's going, ah, oh, oh, click, 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 click. And yeah. it's that like little, like, click, click, click. Yeah. Like, he's taking this, like, mythic image of the wolf man and just doing There's so many great parts to that. I love, I love the, the setup of that joke where he says, who's shaving on the plane? And, and that's shaving, funny. It's shaving so much, so much that they're using, using entire razor blades. Razor blades. <laughs> <laughs> they still have those too, even on modern planes. Yeah. It's, yeah. Um, so I actually went back to the uh, Wright Brothers one. They're talking about the John on the toilet and flying oh, at yeah. That That made me chuckle a lot. Yeah, uh, I was yeah. like, oh, that's a poop joke. Like, yeah. that's just <laughs> you don't think of that with... But what, the cleanest poop joke you've ever heard. Yeah. Right? Like, well, yeah, he, he never gets quite to the... He says, uh, Guys, just what he's about to say is, well, let's just say bad press. I Wait. Uh, yeah. Oh, so, okay. Just doing bad math in my head. But this album is 57 years yeah. old. Yeah. Were the Wright brothers, did they not fly in 1905-ish? Which is more recent oh to then. Wow. Which I feel like it's why there was like a joke of he's like, uh, like, Willie? Oh, Wilbur. Okay. And people are like laughing like it's hilarious to forget the name of one of the Wright brothers. <laughs> that's impossible. Because that was like more recent than this album that's is. That's crazy. To us. Wow. Maybe. That's mind blowing. That's interesting. And yeah. air travel was relatively new. Like traveling. Especially classes in air travel. Yeah. Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. If only we could go back in time and be that crowd. I think it would go a little something <laughs> like this. <laughs> uh, final thoughts on the album, folks. We'll start at the end, Jeremy. Uh, two out of ten. Do not recommend. Um, I think uh, it's so. I'm. I've. I was. I keep thinking of because we keep talking about what year it was. We keep talking about his style because, like, on the show, he's like. I feel like that's like a huge legacy piece of those sitcoms, mm. and he's like developing this style of writing scenes and things that he wouldn't use for like another two decades. Um, but I just feel like it's like the beginning of a person like. He's thirty. That's weird, but it's like he's he's <laughs> like sounds fully formed, and he um, he's just uh, I think he's like a really great. Can we, Martha, you go first. <laughs> <laughs> um, I enjoyed the album. I would give it three out of ten stars because nice. yeah, I am uh, no asshole. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> No, I really wow. enjoyed it. And I was a big fan of him growing up, and it felt like a little warm blanket to me, that listening to that, to be honest. Um, he is so brilliant. And I've never really broken down his stuff like we did tonight, and it's really interesting to, uh, to do that as a comic. Um, but yeah, four stars. Screw it. Four stars out of, out of four. <laughs> okay. When we, I just remembered a Bob Newhart joke from, <laughs> from his other album that I need to say, because I also kind of petered out on my review. He's perfect. I think he's like a perfect comedian. But um, there's a, there's a one called King Kong where he's the guy reporting that King Kong is right. climbing the building. <laughs> he's called the police. And he says, uh, and he does, well, I was going to say they ask him how tall, how tall the monkey seems to be, but ape, but they don't, uh, but you don't hear them ask. So I just assume that, but he says, uh, I don't know about, uh, I guess he's about 18 or 18 or 19 floors, 18 or 19 <laughs> floors high. And then there's a big pause, and you don't know what. Qu and then he goes, "Well, I just, I just don't know if there's a 13th floor in this building," <laughs> which is like a perfect joke. He is an amazing joke writer. 
That's a great joke. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that's a so great joke. Uh, I love the pause before that joke. Yeah. That's great. You don't expect it. It's yeah. great. Craig. Uh, I, I, I'll say this. I enjoyed it a lot more the second time around. Uh, <laughs> I think I would recommend it to anybody who has any kind of interest in comedy and where comedy came from. Um, and writing. And, and writing. Yeah. And, um, uh, as I said, it, it's, it's really weird to see these super long, elaborate setups with no jokes in them <laughs> that are completely separate from the joke. Uh, but yeah, I would, I would, uh, yeah, I'd recommend it to anybody who uh, has an interest in, in the history of comedy. And the jokes actually hold up pretty well, all things considered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're they're sort of pure jokes. You know what I mean? They're completely. Most of them are completely contextual. So. Yeah, some of them I think are a little dated. I mean, it it, it would benefit from being up on your American Russian. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Khrushchev, yeah, Khrushchev yeah. aside, yeah, that's but, uh, but you could you could you could easily put that in, in, at the, to any world leader, Angela sure. Merkel. You could just put her in there, and that would be the same joke. Yeah, yeah, you know? that's true. It's true. Yeah, yeah. once Putin you just... would probably be a good one because you know he's a prime candidate for people wanting to make fun of him. I mean, to to see him like a bumbling idiot, I think yeah. would be pretty, yeah. pretty good. And that's too, that's too obvious. Is it too obvious? <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll we'll rewrite that in the meantime. <laughs> Okay, well, thanks so much, everybody. Craig Fay, you can find his stuff at craigfay.com. He's also on Twitter, at Craig Fay Comedy. Martha O'Neill, you can find her on Twitter at, at Martha underscore O'Neill. No apostrophe, O-N-E-I-L-L. And uh, you can find uh, jokes and announcements by Mr. Jeremy Woodcock on Twitter at, at JW Pencil and Pad. Thanks so much, guys, for being well, here. Thank you really for having us. Thank you. And uh, next month, we'll be back here in the same room, November 2nd. Uh, uh, my feature guest will be my friend and new comedian Mark Wirt, and the album he chose is Mark Norman's Don't Be Yourself. Thanks for coming to Comedy Album Book Club. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.